edition of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is your host, John Janis, and my guest today is Ryan Holiday. He is a media strategist, currently Director of Marketing at American Apparel. Uh, we've seen certainly a lot of good things coming out of there and a lot of things that get a lot of buzz online. Uh, he has a little bit to do with that. Uh, lives in New Orleans, writes uh, a blog at ryanholiday.net, and is the author of a new book called Trust Me, I'm Lying. Confessions of a Media Manipulator. So, Ryan, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. So, you know, I guess we have to start right here. Is media manipulation a good thing? It doesn't sound all, it doesn't sound altogether positive. So, let the so so so. But I guess that's why you're making confessions about it, right? Well, uh, I think it's a little of both. So, here's the reality: people spend a ton of time working on projects, whether it's art or a movie or a book or a startup. And then they think that it will just magically get seen by the people who they want it to see it because the web or the world is some meritocracy where good stuff floats to the top. And, and I sort of came to media manipulation having seen too many people totally wrecked by that, that myth or belief in that myth. And so for me, media manipulation is about knowing the rules of a media system that doesn't have your best interest in mind and turning it into one that you can use to get the attention that you deserve or want or think that your your project is entitled to. Now, now your book, you you have a tremendous amount of examples, very specific cases, both where you know maybe somebody who wouldn't have gotten necessarily attention got a bunch of attention, but then you also talk about some causes that that were for good, if you will, that maybe you know exploited the system a little bit. You want to talk about one of what you think is kind of a, a typical sort yeah, of I mean, big, big success? Yeah, yeah. Um, like I think a great example is like let's say you want to do a Kickstarter project, and I talk about a friend's Kickstarter project that I did in the book. I, I don't want to like indict. I, I don't want to get into too specifics because it's like since uh, it's a success, like people don't don't want to see that success is explained away. But so he, he was doing this charity that was raising money for, uh, basically they installed swing sets all over the world. And it's this really awesome charity that, that installs random swings like in New York City and people swing on it. It's like this joyous occasion that you get a swing in the middle of a, of a downtown metropolis. And so he was like, Ryan, I, wanted, I want this charity to blow up on Kickstarter, but, but no one seems to care. And so I looked at his video and what I noticed in his video is that he was showing specifically the swings that he was most proud of. Like the swings where like the family had the best time or the people got the most joy out of it. And so you could see that joy in the people's faces, but the video was really boring, right? Because the, the swings were like in public parks or, or um, you know, in, near a housing project or something, right? And so what I, what I sat down and told him and I was like, look, your video, can't just make people smile a little bit. It has to blow them away. It, it has to be awesome, right? Like, it, it has to make them go, aw, that's amazing. Or, right? or, or so, make, them, make them really want to pass it on to 10 friends, too, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Because, like, online, the idea of just being like, oh, that's pretty cool, is not enough to break through the noise. So he was doing, he was doing these swings in Los Angeles, and I said, look, here's, like, You've got to do one under the pier in Santa Monica, and you've got to do one over the Los Angeles River, and you've got to do one like attached uh, to this like a, sort of abandoned like freeway overpass, right? And so those three things, those three 
swings got almost zero enjoyment. Uh, like turned out zero enjoyment for the actual people affected by his charity, right? Because they're not accessible to the public. They're the worst swings, but they look the coolest. And so as we sat down, we, we, we changed his video to sort of hit these social triggers. Uh, it totally changed the reaction of the community. And, you know, they immediately blew up and made the front page of Reddit and it, it made the local news and then the national news. And it didn't, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of views and ultimately raised like two or three times the money that he was hoping, hoping to hopefully earn for the charity. And this wasn't by chance, right? We engineered all this. So we made it so not only did the video deliberately sort of provoke a reaction, we didn't wait for it to provoke that reaction either. We went out and made sure that the media people that we wanted to see it had seen it. And we didn't say like, hey, this is my charity. We pretended to be anonymous fans who were, who were blown away by this video and wanted to make sure that this producer saw it. And so we engineered the success that we felt that his thing was, was uh, entitled to. And look, I mean, it goes back to Machiavelli, to the end justify the means. All I know is that we'd be sitting here and he'd be wondering how he could reach more people uh, and, and just sort of hoping that his charity would do well. Or we could do what we did, and now, he, now he's sitting there helping people. Yeah, and as I listen to you give that example, the first half of it is just, and to me, is just very creative, brilliant, logical marketing. Uh, right. That where it sort of tips over the edge is when you start having fake people do things and letting out you know false rumors and and I think that that's probably the part that where you where you get into the manipulation part so um, does sharing this in, in in the book all you know because you have I mean you, well, you really kind of give the recipe in the first half of the book for how to do this I mean does it not only out you in a way but but also I mean is that the goal yeah well I mean I, I would say, though, that I feel like all this manipulation exists on the same spectrum. Like, a lot of people would say, like, oh, I don't want to pander to people. I don't, I don't, that seems weird. It seems not honest to, to sort of focus on, on these uh, examples that aren't representative of the whole. And to me, it's, it, you have to meet people where they are. You have to say, okay, what is, gonna, what is going to spread? What is going to create the reaction that I want? And you have to be willing to go there. And in terms of, of, of sort of making sure that the media knew, like, I know that in today's day and age, bloggers have to write, you know, as many as 10 or 15 posts a day. They're incredibly busy. They're not, they're, they're jaded. They're not necessarily interested in, in publicizing good causes. So if you want to make them write about your thing, you've got to, you've got to figure out how writing about that, your thing, benefits them. Like, uh, like it's from the 48 Laws of Power, right? Always appeal to self-interest. And uh, th that's sort of what I've taken on for myself and for my client is I don't expect anyone to do the right thing. I'm going to make doing the right thing for me the right thing for them. Well, and without getting into, like, too deep of a social, moral, you know, right. <laughs> uh, argument, I mean, it is, is part of the problem that, A, these journalists actually don't care if they're being manipulated in some cases and I think that possibly the public doesn't care <laughs> that they're being manipulated because they just want to be entertained uh, I, I would say that that's unfortunately very accurate um, you know I've been I, I won't say I've been caught but I've, I've just like things have sort of come out a, a few times and I, I've never felt like any blogger resented me for being burned I mean they, everyone sort of 
realizes, and that's why I wrote this book, that everyone sort of realizes that this is a game. These are all things that are openly talked about by insiders in the media. And, and I feel like I'm the first person to just sort of say, like, look, I, I don't think open secrets are cool. I think the public deserves to know how this stuff works so they can either use it or protect themselves against it. And, yeah, the, the reality is these bloggers are overworked, they're exhausted, and, and they're really just trying to do the best job that they can. And if you think you're sort of too good for this, you're going to either be locked out of the system or you're going to find yourself sort of a victim of it. Is there a way to do or to achieve the results you're talking about with, uh, with total honesty? Um, yes, yes, I, I, I think there is. Um, and and I, I just actually did a big post for Tim Ferriss about this where I tried to talk about media manipulation sort of from the angle that you and I are talking about, which is like, just how do you get the attention that you deserve? And I, I, I have an example where I, I live in New Orleans and there was this uh, sort of predatory traffic camera that was on, um, on my street. And I ended up racking up like $1,500 in tickets over like a week and a half. Like I didn't know the camera was there and it was like, it was, they reduced the speed limit just to trick you into getting in. And so what I, I decided I was gonna do something about it. And so the old school way would be to like go to some town hall meeting and say your piece to the elected officials and hope that perhaps there was a reporter there who would fall in love with your story and follow up with you and then maybe something would be done about it. And, and I decided that wasn't gonna work. So what I did was I went out and I took pictures of this thing. I recorded, um, I, I, re I recorded examples of, of, of how it was wrong. I found a reporter at the, at the local newspaper, which is very influential in New Orleans, who'd written about this thing. And I emailed him and I said, and I laid out all the facts. I said, you know, sort of like, this is what's happening. Here's a personal example of how it, how it hurt me, a new resident to this city. Here's why I think it's wrong. Here's examples to other cities sort of fighting back against this stuff. Here's how it made me feel. Here are some juicy quotes from me about this thing. I sort of, I, I put the whole package together and put a bow on top and I handed it to him. And when it ran on the front page a week later, that was because this thing fell in his lap rather than me expecting the, the mainstream media establishment to, to, to sort of do the job that it, it should normally do. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head, too. The, the you know, news, news staffs have been cut to the bone these days, and uh, right. the fact that you did all the work, um, and, and that it made sense. I mean, obviously, it wasn't just because you did the work, but uh, it was a good story, and you did the work. Uh, I, I think that's true of garnering any kind of PR these days. If you, you can do the work, if you can build the relationship, if you can understand that they don't really have time to figure out your story, uh, then uh, right. you're going you're gonna to win. Yeah, um, and, and, and I didn't say anything that wasn't true, but I certainly presented it in a way that was the most compelling rather than leave it to chance. You know, it's too important. That's what I say. The thing is too important to leave to hope or chance. And, um, and that's what too many people do with, with marketing. You know, it's like they write a book and then a week before it's out, they start working on, on their, their marketing campaign. And that's just not, not going to work these days. Yeah, the, 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 that's. I mean, that's true of any product launch, probably, right? Build, right. build that tribe and that demand and that, you know, that 
uh, frenzy <laughs> before you ever hit, hit, hit the go button. Exactly. So, you know, you talk about a lot about the, the online world and how blogs and how popular blogs have become is, have really may, maybe sort of made this this a very high-profile um, idea. But I wonder if we, if we stepped back. I've been doing this a long time, so I'll just go back 25 years. <laughs> if we step back okay. 25 years, and and of course the goal of getting PR was it meant you had to you had to know an editor or a journalist at a publication and 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 you know smooth them enough that or or hire a PR firm that had that relationship already. Um, and and I wonder if really anything has changed. Um, you, you know that that a lot of the stories that got play were because. A friend of a friend, you know, the same, almost the same idea. Whereas now, it's just happening faster. Um, I think partially. So here's how I, I sort of, I break the two systems down. I think it used to be you would hire, let's say you wanted to get attention or, or you wanted a marketing. You hire a high-profile publicity person who, who goes out and usually on multiple occasions has to schmooze an editor or a reporter because these stories, these, these writers have long lead times. They're really planning out what they're writing. They're thinking whether this is something they want to write or not. Does it fit for the Wall Street Journal or is this better for the New York Times? And there's this sort of, it's, it's this sort of negotiation between marketing and uh, the editorial side, right? And how it works today, and, and so I don't do any of that. That's not my marketing style. What, what I do for clients is, how do we create a sensation or a scandal or a controversy or a story or a, a narrative? How do we start that online, generate buzz and attention around it, so that instead of having to pitch the New York Times, the New York Times calls us because they want to write about us. Or better yet, we wake up in the morning and the New York Times has written about it because all the information was already out there on the internet. And that system works because today, blogs are the influencers of the influencers. You know, TV reporters, uh, local news reporters used to just do their morning show by reading the newspaper headlines. Today, they, they read blogs. You know, uh, there's a study by um, George Washington University that said 89% of reporters admit these in social media blogs or, or Wikipedia as a source for their stories. And it's like, so if you want to be in 90% of the news, social media is, is a gateway to do that. And that's what, I, so I specialize in getting attention online, which is significantly easier than people think, because I know it influences the mass media and it influences the offline cycle. And uh, that's ultimately where you reach the most amount of people. Yeah, it's it's almost like uh, uh, creating demand for your product. Uh, instead of going to the store and saying, "Please stock this on our shelves," you go to the end user and uh, and say, "Go ask the store owner to put this in the store." Um, and, and I think I think there's a lot of parallels to that. Getting your story you know, in the store, so to speak, comes about because there's a whole lot of uh, people talking about it. No, that, that's a great way to, to put it. And I think it kind of becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, it's like. If enough people are talking about it online, so it must be a big deal, and then reporters talk about it, and then it is a big deal, and it actually gets more traffic for your stuff online, and, and that's sort of, I mean, obviously that's, that's not, I, I think the old system was slightly manipulative, but this is sort of less clear-cut, and the, the line between the real and the unreal, and the straightforward, and the, and, and the obscured is a little, is a little blurred there. 
And so that, that's, that's why I call this media manipulation. I don't think it's, it's not lying or cheating, it's just it's making the system do what you want in a highly skilled way. Well, I, I, I guess it really comes down to understanding how the game's played and then just uh, creating the right tactics to win. Well, and if you don't understand how the system is played and you're not deliberately doing that, you're just hoping that your stuff accidentally coincides. Like, blogs only write about certain things in certain ways and sort of that in certain styles, right? Mm -hmm. And so it, it seems to me that it's foolish to just hope that the thing you're pushing magically aligns with their outlook for the world. No, you have to, the marketer's job is to take the product and translate it into the language that the media or the public or the platform understands. So having a tremendous interview with Ryan Holiday, we're talking about Trust Me, I'm Lying, Confessions of a Media Manipulator, and uh, I really got one, one last idea I want to explore. Um, okay. and, and you may <laughs> you may choose to pass on this. In, in the uh, book, in, in the book, you identify uh, a number of people that uh, that probably are a little pissed off because you've you, you've talked about how easy they are to manipulate, how you know how broken their system is, and and you know maybe maybe it's not as valuable as people think it is. Is, is there anybody that you've encountered that that is doing it right? In other words, is is saying you know is calling. BS on BS stories and is researching and is saying, hey, we're not going to be manipulated. I mean, is there anybody that you've found that is, I guess another way of saying it, is hard to manipulate? Uh, look, I think people who are out there trying to serve a loyal audience or a tribe are incredibly difficult to manipulate because they are out there protecting a bond that they have with someone else. So you have this show of, of you know, 130 or 150,000 subscribers, and they, like, you know that you have the privilege of speaking to those people because you've continually provided them with a quality product. And that, that goes back to, you know, the invention of the New York Times, the modern New York Times by Adolf Oakes, who, who understood that the, the yellow journal is a model of shouting headlines on a street corner was a race to the bottom that he didn't want to to do anymore and he decided i'm going to build a subscription newspaper and he built the first modern subscription newspaper and he came up with the headline all the news that fit to print and that headline that that motto comes out of the idea of these people trusted me with their money i'm going to give them only the news that's worthwhile and the problem with so many of the blogs that I talk about from the, from the Huffington Post, the Business Insider to Gawker, is that they don't have that. They're not out there trying to serve a, an RSS base of, of 200,000 people or, or even 1,000 paying subscribers. No, their model is to go viral as often as possible. And virality is not, virality is about random chance and it's about chasing everyone rather than a specific group of core people who you know well and you know what what they want or what they're after. And so the, the way I put it in the book is because these blogs are out there trying to screw over their audience, it makes it very easy for marketers to screw them over in turn. And um, I, I really advise people to, to build permission assets 
and to, and to build trust in reputable brands and to opt out of this whole system. I mean, I wrote this book to expose what I think is, is ultimately kind of dangerous and scary, and, and I wish that it was another way. And I, I think you're a great example of someone who, who's, who's doing that and, and thus isn't subject to these, these vicious economics that we were talking about. Yeah, I mean, there's no question that, that if the goal is to get paid views, uh, you're not going to do things that are reader-friendly. Even I, these blogs that that have an article, you know, the seven great ways to do X, Y, Z, and you have to click through eight pages to read them. Um, right. You know, or doing things uh, to to generate revenue um, at the expense, in my opinion, of of the reader experience, and I think that's a pretty clear indication uh, of you know who the audience is to them. I, I call that the MySpace strategy, right? It's like, remember on MySpace when it was like you would go to log in and it would take like 10 pages? Yeah. And they, 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 find, they, they dug into that and they asked them why, they asked the founders why, and they said, well, it was kind of an accident at first, and then we realized if we improved the site, we would lose like, you know, 10, we, we would lose thousands or millions of pages per user because the site would be so much more efficient and then we would make less money on ads. And like that worked in the short term, but in the long term, Facebook, who was ultimately about, I mean, obviously it has these problems, but Facebook, who was about doing the best site possible, they won that game because they weren't out there trying to screw people over or get page views for the sake of page views. Well, uh, awesome read. I, I think that there are many, many ways. I, I guess if you want to manipulate the media, um, this is a good primer. If you want to learn how uh, how not to play that game, this is a great book. And if you want to really understand uh, the ways to to promote um, in, in sort of a somewhat scientific way that are going to get you the publicity you deserve, I think this is a great book. So I, I, I suspect you'll have uh, readers from uh, coming at this from every point of view possible. Well, they, I mean, I, I wrote the book with that in mind. I, I know not everyone wants to play this game, but this game is being played, and if you want to protect yourself against it, uh, you've got to know the rules just as much as if you want to, you want to be a, you know, the star athlete. Yeah. Well, Ryan, thanks so much. Uh, I know folks can find more information at ryanholiday.net, and, of course, the, the book can be acquired uh, pretty much anywhere a person acquires their books. In fact, uh, one, one shout-out to your reading list although uh, on your site, although it cost me about $100 uh, when, when I stumbled onto it. But uh, awesome reading list I would suggest people check out, too. Well, thank you very much for having me. It's an honor. Uh, we'll, we'll see you out there on the road soon.